We're just normal men. What do you mean, normal men? We're just innocent men. <laughs> Gonna throw here to Parker at the 20, at the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He is almost... He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got it in! He got it in! He got it in! Oh, doctor! Howdy, guys. Welcome back to the Red Ass Podcast. It's Monday, November 27th. And to call it a crazy weekend, not just in College Station, but across the college football world, it was certainly entertaining, right? Well, yeah. And obviously, we uh, we were at the head of the head of the line as far as getting rid of our coaches, so we've seen plenty more fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's what do, they, what do they call it? It's like Black Monday, you know, for coaches, the Monday after the regular season. Yep. Black Monday, Cyber Monday. We're excited to be here. I'm Rob White, fighting Texas class, uh, that, fighting Texas Aggie class of 14. I can't talk today. It's, I tell you what, it's, it's been a weekend, and with the holiday, extended holiday, I, I understand it. I'm, I'm Roy May, fighting Texas Aggie class 2015, and yeah. we've got a lot to get into today. Yeah. But first and foremost, how was your Thanksgiving? I had an absolutely fantastic Thanksgiving. I had, Obviously, Thanksgiving on <clears throat> Thursday, and then we did Friendsgiving on Saturday, and so I'm a little turkeyed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it was a wonderful holiday. It is. It's it's one of my favorites. Um, but my it's my second favorite behind Christmas. I, I love it, and it is nice that it is just a set day. You know, so it's always on a Thursday, so you know you're going to get a long weekend. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, man, had a, had a had a great holiday. Um, I'd say I recharged my batteries, but I probably did the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So I'm in like holiday hangover mode today like yesterday i was just rest and recuperate and this morning it was uh i was telling you before we before we popped on <clears throat> you know first half of my monday i generally take off um you know since we you know as a realtor i work on the weekends a lot so my first half of monday outside of my little team meeting i take off um mm-hmm. but given the extended break that i have for the holiday this morning has been hectic to say the least um not as hectic as a coaching search by any means but it's mm-hmm. been hectic. um you did some traveling, right? Yeah, we uh, went out to uh, New Mexico uh, there for Thanksgiving, and that was good. Um, had a my friend Ashley joined us, and that was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, uh, to call it crazy, um, it was certainly a quick turnaround. We drive all the way up to Aubrey, which is north side of Dallas, Denton area. Shoot all the way over on US three eighty three eighty because it's a straight shot all the way to Tatum. Get out there, do it, and got home. It was, uh, yeah, 22 hours over the course of 48 that were spent on the road. So to call it a long weekend would be an understatement. And we get back into town Friday. My parents show up because, uh, you know, grandmother passed away and uh, got a bunch of furniture. So I have a brand new uh, fold-out couch currently in my living room. And I have, um, no, let's see got a new desk that i'm going to install in here so i'm excited to put that to work here before long but nice. yeah yeah to call it a, it was a crazy weekend but um yeah we got back in one piece and that was the most important thing so yeah it's always man it's always such a tough weekend for travel it's, it's unfortunately just so dangerous you know mm-hmm. i'd never heard it before this year but uh i guess they call it black wednesday the mm-hmm. wednesday before thanksgiving i think has the most dui accidents of any day of the year yeah, I could see that. Maybe New Year's, Fourth of yeah. July, but those are all crazy travel days. So, um, you know, I ended up popping thirty-five, uh, heading up north, and that was, let me tell you, even in the morning, not a ton of fun. But once we got on three eighty and shot out from Denton, it was pretty clear, uh, minus the deer and the hogs, but it was all right. Yeah. That that is the joy to always doing it at home. And even if I travel, you know, even if I were to travel like I do on Christmas Day, um, mm-hmm. you know, my folks are just down in spring, so it's a pretty simple shot. Yeah, not too bad at all. But quite a bit happened over the holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna ease into this. So we're gonna <laughs> talk. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with ta- talking Aggie basketball. Yeah, it's a great start. Let's, let's get some of the stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Aggie basketball goes uh, to the Invitational, um, and uh, they go two and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely could have gone three and one. Couple injuries, one to Henry Coleman, and then um, Boots. You know, Henry Coleman twists his ankle, Boots, which we didn't really find out till after the game started having breathing issues, which is mm. um, quite frankly a lot more concerning than a sprained ankle. Oh yeah. So, uh, but go out there and go two and one, and you know, you beat. Uh, 
you beat Penn State, you beat Iowa State, um, and you you lose you lose one that I I think you know if if you don't have boots and and uh, um and Henry Coleman go down, you know I think that game is different. Yeah, and um, a lot of people love to talk about officiating, and apparently it wasn't great in that game either. But even so, bad. even so, you, know, you you come out two and one, at, and you battled through a lot of adversity in game two. I mean, you're at one point down twenty one points, and come yeah. storming back, and uh, without a couple of your best players. So I think that's really indicative of a lot of the heart of this team, mm-hmm. and that's a situation that we need to be prepared for because those are the type of games we're going to see come around about tournament time. So those are very important games for us to show a lot of grit in. Yeah, no, it's certainly not a bad loss because you look at, um, you know, you get your revenge on Penn State, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and so everybody's feeling good. Um, you go, go into FAU, and that's a Final Four team from last year, and they returned quite a bit. So yeah. that's still that's still a March, deep into March kind of team. I mean, they had a bit of a magical run, I guess, but, but still there's a ton of talent. Um, then, you know, with two injuries and, you know, for part of the game, you have an issue rotating out and, and on top of leaving guys open, they're just, they're, they're not missing. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. The percentage they shot out from behind the arc. Um, yeah. And, and that's one thing people need to understand is part of Buzz's defense is just going to leave dudes open and, you know, some, it, but it happened at a much higher clip. I thought um, in that FAU mm-hmm. game than, than regular. And then you combine that with them just deciding not to miss. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a recipe for disaster on top of two injuries. Exactly. And, and let's not forget, we're also, you know, we're also missing Julius Marvel. Yeah. So it's not an injury, but we're missing a, a big man down inside. And and you saw, you know, the discrepancy. FAU had a seven-footer. Um, and, and that's just something where even though Henry Coleman by no means is short, along with, you know, Solo um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and Garcia, it's uh, it's just a, it's a side disadvantage. But it's something that they can play through, and we've seen them play through it through effort. And, and really, effort goes a really long way. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's combined with you know a, a specific at least floor of talent, you know, yeah. all the effort in the world of your one star isn't going to get you anywhere. Um, no, but well, it can on the defensive side. But so I, you know, the game, the FAU game ended, and, and you're really not even upset about it, you know, because you saw him make this huge comeback. Because at one point, people were like, "Oh, this is terrible." Of course, you know, the overreactions on message boards are the greatest thing ever. Minus oh, every time. But uh, then you get into Iowa State game and you find yourself in the same situation. Like this time, you didn't even start with with Coleman or uh, or Boots. Yeah. Um, and you find yourself same situation down, you know, twenty points. Um, but this time they're able to fight back and win. And Iowa State, I don't know how good this team's going to be this year because Iowa State in general has been good. Oh yeah. They, yeah, they generally put a good product on the court. Um, they're normally in the tournament. Yeah, Big Twelve basketball is good. Big Twelve basketball is a good conference, and some sometimes there's. There's an argument that it's the best conference in the country some years. Yeah, and Iowa State's always a solid program. You're not wrong. Uh, they've been very competitive, especially come tournament time. So they're one of those teams to always keep an eye on and a great addition to the resume. Um, and yeah, you, another and you, good win. Another great win. And you have an opportunity, granted, tough game, but you're going to hit the road on Thursday, uh, on Wednesday to go play uh, Virginia at Virginia. So that that could be a potentially interesting matchup as well. Well, and I and I got to thinking about this <clears throat> afterwards. You know, the feeling of going two and one in that inv- invitational is really different than going one and two. Oh yeah. Um, but part of me still thinks that Coleman and Boots, assuming Boots is is okay. Um, you know, that's that's not an injury that necessarily has a timeline, depending yeah. on what what the issue is. But I feel like Coleman sitting out was one of those. Hey boys, I'm gonna need y'all to step up because I want to rest Henry for Virginia. Because mm-hmm. so, I mean, he was out there. He wasn't in a boot. He was in tennis shoes. Um. So I feel like maybe that was a situation where he just sat Henry and was like, Hey guys, there's going to be games where he might foul out or something happens and we're going to have to do this anyway. So let's go do it today. Yep. Might as well, because you're, you're going to have those situations. So you might as well be ready for them. Yeah. And, and the officiating, you know, it's really weird talking about the officiating the FAU game Mm -hmm. and then the officiating, like in the last minute and a half of of the Iowa state game. And I thought it was, it was bad, but it was like, it was just like review everything. And Mm -hmm. and it was, you know, I know the last couple of minutes of every game when it's close, take forever to play, but this was well beyond that modicum of of length. It was, it was insane. It was. But then I got to thinking about it, watching football over the place, college and pro, like what's going on with officiating right now? Uh, Premier league. Mm -hmm. It's like all the officiating at all the levels took the entire Thanksgiving holiday off. 
Well, and even if you look at, if we go back a few weeks, uh, even look at what we saw kind of MLB, I mean, you saw that the umpires were even struggling, even our top level umpires that are, you know, raked the best, the ones that Mm -hmm. get sent into uh, the postseason, they were struggling. I mean, they had a lot. I don't know what's going on with officiating right now. It just, it's weird. Well, and you know, your counter argument is going to be, you know, maybe it's just because we're at a point in history where everyone can pick everything apart. So no one misses anything anymore because yeah. someone somewhere is going to see a bad call and post it and then you're all going to see it. And so it's, you know, I, I think a lot of that is just also us having more eyes on, um, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they were always this bad and we just, you know, we couldn't see them as much. Well, I mean, you you saw a situation just uh, recently in the A&M uh, LSU game this past weekend where I mean, a handful of situations, but one in particular that stuck out to me was you know, one of the LSU players, when our guy went out on the sideline, slapped at his helmet after the play nothing. right in front of the official and nothing like not even a not even a starting talking to nothing. Yeah, I don't know if you watched the uh, the Bills Eagles game last night, but there was an atrocious horse collar that ended up getting mm-hmm. called uh, intentional grounding instead of a horse collar. Um, it was just some bad. If it, the Texans game, Tank Dell, uh, he caught that ball on that sideline, and and they even reviewed it and still didn't call it, which is also not so to me. Yeah. Um, so it's it, yeah, it was a it was a weird extended weekend for officiating, but it was. Um, but all that to say, you know, really good teams can overcome bad officiating. And I, f- I felt like that's what A&M did. You know, the officiating the FAU game wasn't necessarily one-sided bad. It was just kind of bad. It was just bad. You're right. Both, both teams were dealing with it. Um, and and we still, you know, we were still there uh, in the end of the game. So I think the, the continued kind of trajectory slash arc of uh, not only achievement, but excitement for this basketball team has got to be up there. Um, mm-hmm. The women went uh, on the road to a, a kind of an invitational tourney thing, and they won theirs. Um, yeah, competition maybe not quite the levels of what the men play, but again, we talked about this uh, a week or two ago. Yeah, if she's still in a program building phase, where sometimes it's better to feel good about winning than it I is guess. like getting your butt kicked by the number four team in the country on the road. Exactly. So I, I love the outcome for that Friday. Uh, no, no, it might have been yesterday. Again, it's a weekend. I don't know. <laughs> At some point over the weekend. Uh, volleyball selection show comes out. AM makes the tournament. They yep. make the field. They're going to Austin to play the Sips. Yep. Um, and quite frankly, that's a huge turnaround just by making the tournament. You're talking about first time in four or five years uh, yep. that the volleyball's been back in the NCAA. So, mm-hmm. you know, good news come from that front as he continues, Jamie continues to build that program. And that's, uh, I think it's year one for him. So, yeah. you know, that's, um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, kind of a feather in your cap. First, first year you come in and you make the tournament. So, Everything's looking good. I thought it was a great weekend. I thought the football game was unfortunate. Mm. Um, I, I guess we'll just kind of slide into that a little bit. There's not a ton of reason to break down the AM LSU game. Not, not, not a lot to not a lot to break down. Uh, I love the effort I saw, especially kind of middle portion of the game. I mean, looks certainly looked like we had our hands uh, on both both hands on the wheel for that uh, middle portion of the game. Unfortunately, you just get down the stretch and really two plays turned the tide of the game. That being a missed field goal and an interception. And unfortunately, when you have an interception in a situation like that, uh, well, you have, you have to find a way to bounce back and our boy just, he never did. Well, and there was a scramble. Uh, we had them fourth down and, I don't know, change five yards, something like that. And yeah. Daniels got loose and converted it. And I thought that was a bit of a backbreaker. But, you know, mm. we saw, unfortunately, near, near you know, we're talking about, you know, fourth quarter, we started to see the secondary lapses or the lapses mm-hmm. in the secondary yeah. um, co- combined with, you know, they're having lapses because you're not getting after the quarterback. Jane Daniels is a real deal. I think he should win the Heisman. Um, He's a great LSU player. Buddy, yeah, my LSU buddy and I were, were uh, kind of just texting back and forth during the game. Um, uh, which is different for me. I don't ever like texting with people, but mm-hmm. he's rational, and we were just kind of chit chat more than anything. But uh, we weren't like game analyzing. But I told him I was like, man, I can't stand LSU, and I'll tell you right now, he deserves a Heisman. And I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anybody that's really close. I don't think it should be close. No, nah, between him and Bo Nix, and even so, I would say uh, just looking at Daniels, I mean, he has been so outstanding, and even in a game when a lot of people considered that he really didn't played to the best of his ability he still goes out there and puts up you know 235 yards passing and rushing for an additional 120 and just looked really good doing it um he did it when it mattered yeah you know yeah yeah had a really struggle 
uh, portion of the game, you're down 10 points and you just turn around, score three. Basically, yeah, I won't say three unanswered, but you get three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. You know, the most critical point in the game and you found a way to win it. Which... Yeah, and that's that's what winners do. And they had like mm-hmm. a, you know, like their Affleck trivia stat. Like the only person that's been passing and rushing yards at that level was Johnny Manziel. Yep. So. And, and it still wasn't quite to those numbers from 2012, but still, I mean, the dude obviously did what he did and he's very good at what he does. So. Yeah, no, he's just a winner. He's a big guy. He's a winner. Um, he should mm-hmm. win the Heisman. Um, LSU are playing well. I don't know. Yeah, they're not. They're not playing in Atlanta, so they're not going to get a shot at the national championship. But no, but you're sitting nine three. Probably going to get a decent bowl game out of it. Probably not a New Year six, but you know something to something to hang your hat on. Yeah, I I don't think they can slide into New Year six with three losses, but probably not. Regardless, you know, to show. I mean, I mean he's special enough to overcome LSU's defense. And so mm-hmm. I think that in and of itself should tell you quite a bit about, you know, his talent level. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I was thrilled to see the effort. Um, mm-hmm. I loved the approach in the game. You know, yeah. Going for the bunch. <clears throat> you know, it's like we always, like we've, we've been saying, like, just let it rip, man. Let There's it nothing. rip. Like, just have fun. You know, go out having a blast. You know, the bowl game is really not going to matter if you win or lose this. You'd love to beat LSU in Baton Rouge. You had them on the ropes. Um, but unlike years past, you know, this team faded in the fourth quarter. Generally, mm-hmm. Starting in the middle of the third quarter, you know, the second half, you know, what was it? I saw a stat. If we won all the games that we were leading in halftime, it would have been 11-1 this year. Yeah, so. it, it was crazy. They uh, they even talked about, uh, and we I'd seen it previously, but they were talking about all the games and what the records would be at the end of the season. If A&M had had every single one-score game or overtime game flipped, with this loss at the end of the year, we'd be sitting at 10-2. and two. Yeah. It's just just wild. It's just an inability to finish this year, which was it's disappointing to see. But you know, this year is basically in the rearview. I'll watch the bowl game just because I'll never pass up an opportunity to watch the eggs, especially not the last one I get until friggin' September. <laughs> right when we face off against Notre Dame, which will be interesting. what an opener. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we get Notre Dame <clears throat> with a new coach. Yep. So we can just go ahead and get into it now, since we've been dancing around everything else. Sure. Um. I want to start with Mike Stoops. Mike Stoops. So, you know, if, if you follow Tex Ags a lot, or even if you just, if, you, if you've been, if you're one of those people that keeps up with the coaching search enough, which means, I mean, if you don't follow on Tex Ags, you've probably seen the stuff all over Twitter um, or you listen to the radio. I think we all had an idea of the candidates we wanted. Uh, I don't think we'll ever know who was actually interested, who we actually, who all we actually interviewed. Um, but, I was when when Stoops was announced, I was floored, mm-hmm. like absolutely floored. And I, you know, I pay attention to this stuff, and I understand that his name had been mentioned, but in my mind, that just that wasn't one of the viable options. Um, and so I just kind of dismissed it when his name was mentioned, and then all of a sudden, I get an alert on my phone mm-hmm. that, that Stoops is ready to be our next head coach, and uh, and I didn't like. I tried not to run for the hills on Twitter, um, <laughs> but I certainly had some text conversations uh-huh. that evening. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. Uh, I just, I, I didn't get that at all. I don't, I don't understand how that kind of came about. Um, I think, I think it was Robert Barron's put it out there and it was like, they're like, all right, you know, the dude that went to a basketball school, you know, the one out East wearing blue, Turned him around, got him going. Yeah. York's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. They're like, all right, go, go, go get him. York. All right, here's Mark Stoops. They're like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I understand part of the argument for Stoops. Mm-hmm. But I, I, the exact same argument can be made for Mike Elko. Mike Elko is a decade younger. Well, what I was about to say, I think the things for me when it really came down to it, when you look at Mike Stoops versus uh, a Mike Elko situation, uh, the thing is with Stoops, the dude's been there for 11 years. You know who he is. We've seen it. The beauty of Mike Elko by comparison is the guy, as you mentioned, is significantly younger and only has a few years of head coaching experience at this level. And so truly it's an unopened box in a lot of ways. We don't know what potentially he could bring to the table, but um, I would say the beauty of the situation with Elko versus 
stoops is you're going to get this a similar guy for less money and a guy that you know for sure really wants to be here you know i don't necessarily know much about the mike stoops situation in terms of like how excited he was to be here or any of that crap but i know for sure at this point if you had to ask me one versus the other i'm going to take elko all day well, I mean, Elko's literally been here before. It wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. We only have a couple of data points with him as a head coach. But, you know, you look back at what Stoops did at Kentucky, and they're like, well, he has two 10-win seasons at Kentucky, and the Kentucky's a basketball school. He's working with way less than he'd be working with at A&M. Mm-hmm. What the hell do you think Mike Elko's working with at Duke? And he already had mm-hmm. a nine-win season. And this year, they were looking really good, and then he lost his quarterback. And I know that's not uh, – you, know, you can't 100% throw it out the window because, trust me, as an Aggie, I fully understand about losing your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, you look at the small sample size he has there and what he how quickly he turned that program around, got nine wins at Duke. You want to talk about a basketball school. I mean, at least Kentucky has a little bit of football lineage outside of a bowl game that they that um uh that Duke went to that we played him, and that was what David Cutcliffe, and he'd been there for who knows how long. Yeah, about twenty thirteen. Yeah, that so, I mean I'm not no, I mean like he had been at Duke for as long as he'd like Cutcliffe right. was a long time guy. And yeah. so you got um Elko goes in and what year one, he turned it around from three or four wins to nine wins. Yeah. With what? I mean, it's Duke. So how good is, are you going to be in the portal getting guys? So you're having to get what you can get because it's Duke. Mm -hmm. And you can't tell me that Duke's football facilities are nicer than Kentucky's. No. And the other beauty is, you know, you're taking Elko out of that situation, putting him in college station and yeah, back in college station. And the thing is that the supporting cast around him, is very, very exciting as potential. I mean, you know, obviously a lot of rumor, I don't know it's official, but, you know, they're talking about promoting E-Rob up to D.C., which I don't hate that move. I, But I'd be so curious. I, I like that move. So the argument is, is he ready to be a coordinator, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, at some point, all coordinators weren't coordinators, right? They, mm-hmm. but, they, they were position coach or a grad assistant or something. But if the move is to move him to D.C., if the move is for Durkin to leave and to move him to D.C., what you have is, to an extent, he's kind of the D.C., but he's about to get trained and learn from one of the better D.C.s out there. Yep. So if there were a situation where he can be groomed to be a the great D.C. that I think he has the potential to, to be, this is the one. Yeah. Because Elko is also a guy that embraces like the modern offense. Elko knows that he's just going to go get an offensive coordinator. He's going to be like, dude, that's your side of the ball. Mm-hmm. I'll have some decisions here and there as a head coach because I'm running the program. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the playbook won't be his decision per se. No. Well, so I, it, cer- certainly less so than Jimbo. Yeah. I would say. So, yeah, I mean, he's still, you know, he's still a head coach. If he wants to go for it on fourth down, he's, they're going to go for it on fourth down kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But if there were ever a perfect situation where E-Rob can get groomed to become a, an outstanding defensive coordinator, being under the tutelage of a guy like Mike Elko is that perfect situation. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, obviously, everybody knows all the players love him. All right. Mm-hmm. I, that's been, that's ad nauseum. We get it, man. And there's mm-hmm. no reason not to. I, I've mm-hmm. been thoroughly impressed with him. Um, all the players like Elko too. And the ones yeah. that don't, it's, I think it's just kind of a, if you'll buy in, you will. Yeah. Cause I saw a lot of that sentiment from former players on Twitter this weekend. Once Elko was introduced, they're like, look, just buy in. Trust me. If you buy in, you're going to love it. And yeah. so I think, I think E-Rob, if you're going to get rid of Durkin, I think E-Rob is a, a great, obviously, obviously a great move. You got to pick your OC. I mean, maybe it's Bobby Petrino. Is it Bobby Petrino without Jimbo? Yeah. So it's, but I don't know that that's necessarily the offense that you want to run. But again, you know, I'm not Mike Elko. I can't tell you that. I can't mm. tell you one thing. Guarantee you we're going to have an offensive line coach and a special teams coach. Yeah. No, we're going to go out and get those. And I'm not sure who we'll go after for those, but uh have a handful yeah. of names that will hopefully yeah, come I'm up soon. Even, I'm not even going to start conjecturing. I'm not even OC. Like, yeah, this, this coaching search has worn me out. I'm just I'm, when they get announced, I'll just research and be like, all right, cool, let's roll. Yeah. But I, right before I got on, though, it showed uh, his strength and conditioning from Duke is coming with him, David Feely. Yeah. Um, and if you know much about this guy, he was a real, real big reason why Duke was able to make a bit of a turnaround uh, as quickly as they did. You know, they showed up and things were different. So that mm-hmm. that's exciting um, because I think, I mean, if you look, if you know, how many times we faded in the second half. So much of that is strength and conditioning. You're right. 
you know, it, it's harder yeah. to stay mentally locked in when you're physically exhausted. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, you know, we did experience that quite a bit. Unfortunately, just the last several seasons, that's that's been an issue. You're not wrong. So being able to have a good strength and conditioning coach, that's very, very crucial. I've heard rumor on OC. Um, I, I know we're not going to go digging through it, but apparently they're one of the names being floated. It's a pretty big name. I don't know about all that. At this point, you've got your guy. He's here. He's ready to rock and roll, just like the rest of us. So I'm excited about that. Well, yeah, and I think I, I, because, and this will sound weird, so just hear me out. <laughs> uh, you know, we kind of know who Mike Stoops is to an extent, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, again, you know, he was at Kentucky, so I understand that he's doing more with less, but he was also in the SEC East. So they've made at least a small commitment to facilities, and he was in for a while in SEC East that was right for the taking, and they didn't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, the East was down for a good long while. So it's, I think Elko, I think the excitement about what we think he can be, I think is really more, because again, yeah, just Stoops has done it for 10 extra years and we kind of know what to, what we're getting out of him, right? Yeah. Now, both of them could have been absolutely fine. So, you know, and you'll never win the, you know, hindsight battle. But never. I think because he's younger, I think because he has a lot to prove, I think because he's already been here at Texas A&M mm-hmm. and he understands that keeping E-Rob is important, like not just at A&M, but he's been around some of these players. Man. Yeah. So like some of these dudes like legit are, are happy about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a, a level of um, kind of moderated excitement that we should be at right now. I think one, I'm just excited the search is done with. Well, and, and a level of familiarity, I think, is the beauty of having Elko back in the locker room because he, he knows us. He knows how this thing works. And I'm really curious to see how things will shake out under his uh, tutelage. I'm really excited for that. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's it's just it's going to be different. And I heard Billy say on the radio this morning, um, and it's true, like there's there's a culture change that needs to needs to occur in this program. And, and you know, I guess we'll see. Right. Yep. Um, uh one one extra little point that does make me rather happy is he is a defensive minded coach, which is something we haven't had since RC. So yep. that and we know that traditionally defensive coaches have done well here. Not saying that that's the be all end all, of course, but it is such a great foundation set. So I'm excited Kirby, for that. Kirby Smart, Nick Saban. Yeah. Both, def- both defensive coaches. Mm-hmm. So I think there's plenty to be said for, for for that aspect of it. To be quite honest, um, yeah. Again, like I, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I and I, it, it would have been completely different if it had been like Mike Stoops. Yeah, Honestly, I, I, I think the conversation today would be like trying to find the positives in a lot of ways. Yeah. Really, really digging through it because, man, the initial reaction was just not great and. I will say I outside of the Tennessee situation however many years ago, I've never seen it happen to such an extent where a fan base had such incredible uproar that all of a sudden the announcement implodes. Insane. Yeah. Who was that? What was that? Greg Siano from Rutgers and that who they were trying to sign? Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Hey, well, yeah, I was, I mean, I didn't have to really add my two cents to Twitter because I, I mean, Aggies were trying to break every server they could get their hands on. Yeah. Um, and, and and I get it too, though, because if you didn't follow this like on a daily and hourly basis, you may not have heard the Stoops name come out at all. So oh, you were talking about getting hit, you know, coming out of left field. You were like, excuse you. Well, uh, and Ross sat down and lined out and explained all of these beautiful things in this nice little bulletin, right? Saying, we're not going to spend a ton of money. We're going to go after the right type of guy. We're going to get, you know, get to all these things. We're not an eight and four, pro, you know, we're not an eight and four job. We're going to really emphasize getting to that next level. You going after Mike Stoops, that's where that dude lives is like seven, eight wins occasionally you know which is not too dissimilar to jimbo plus he's under the same coaching tree so coach for jim yeah (laughs) so i mean at the end of the day what are you truly going to gain by going after him i think there was some talking out of both sides of the mouth a little bit on the coaching search Um, yeah maybe and maybe it was from where we started and where we thought what we thought we were going to do and what we ended up doing yeah but you know the, the way it was initially set up all these names got floated out and, and, you know, 
not all of them officially, obviously. In fact, I thought the I thought the athletic department did a good job keeping a lid on things, and most of it yeah. was just speculation from fans. Um, but generally, because again, we live in the world we live in, people do have enough connections or do have enough like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon connections with people mm-hmm. that you do hear rumors, and it's one of those, you know, when there's smoke, you know, maybe there's a little bit of fire to it. So there's a lot of rumors that that weren't getting shot down, I think is really what it is. It's not so much that they were confirmed as true. They but... just weren't getting shot down. And so once that happens, you know, these rumors take on a life of their own and they yeah. just completely blow out of proportion. And and so I, I think that's why you have a bunch of fans that are still all down in the mouth about it. Like they didn't want Stoops and they didn't want Elko and, you know, they wanted Ryan Day or they wanted um, Jeff Fish and. And and I understand all that. Like I, I thought fish would have been a great hire, but yeah. But the, but the reality is, um, I think where we landed is where we need to be right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this program needs um, kind of needs to be putting time out a little bit. No, and it needs a lot of stability, especially with the brand new setup coming in twenty twenty four. You know, with brand new SEC, brand new playoff, brand new everything. All of a that sudden, thing you said is the most important. Yep, brand new playoff. You're absolutely right. And the thing is, everything changes starting next year. And from that point forward, really the end of goal is to be that 12th team. Get in the dance. And because once you're in the playoffs, if we've learned anything <laughs> this year, cough, right. cough, Rangers, once you make the playoffs, everything's off the table. It doesn't matter. As long as you're the hottest team at the end of the season, that's all that's going to matter. And people are going to complain. There's going to be some lower seed that's going to sneak up and grab somebody, and people are going to complain, but that's the beauty of the playoffs. If you don't like it, go to point systems like the freaking Premier League, if you truly don't like it. Unless you're Everton, then you don't even like that. But <laughs> um, R.I.P. Everton. Well, and, and so then and then all of a sudden, again, you know, you're trying not to get too excited, but that's the new coach smell, right? Mm-hmm. New coach shine. Doesn't matter who it is. We're like, this is going to be the dude turning around. And quite frankly, you never know that. But what you're looking at is, well, look what Elko did. He went to Duke. That was like a three-win three win team. And literally the very next year, he had him in nine wins. Yeah. If he can just get over some of those humps that we talked about earlier, you mm-hmm. know, about the, you know, blowing leads in the in the second half, um, you know, one-score games being close. If he can flip a lot of that, remember, you're still going to be in the SEC, and it'll be a conference that'll be considered even stronger Yeah. with the addition of the Sips and OU. Yeah. And so and it doesn't matter at what level they play. It's going to be considered a stronger brand. Yeah. And they will come in and they will both be rather competitive, I think. Um, Yeah. Right out the gate, the way Texas has been trending, we obviously have seen how they've looked this year and they've been definitely moving upwards leading into the SEC move. Oklahoma even looking pretty solid, um, all things considered. But, you know, go ahead. No, yo, go ahead. I, see, I think I think OU is still a bit too much in Big Twelve ball level. Like they're tiny sure. and fast, and while that can work a little bit, um, I think OU obviously has the further road to hoe on that. Yeah, what I'll be interested to see up uh, out of Texas and OU is can they withstand the grind of the season? Right, because like Texas jumping up and biting Alabama this year. First of all, I don't think anybody saw that coming, but they did it. They beat them on the field. They, like there's yeah. there's just no debating that. Does mm-hmm. that mean Texas is better than Alabama right now? I don't know about that. But they beat them on the field head to head. Getting up for one SEC game a year and getting up for eight or nine of them are two different things. And so, yeah. and, and you know, so maybe sometimes we over, you know, that's way overblown by us as fans. We're like, yeah, but you can deal with the grind. Well, I mean, only two or three teams a year can. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we still see the opportunities for us getting up for somebody. I mean, A&M even does that. You know, we'll try to get up for Alabama. We'll try to get up for LSU. It just depends on the year. Um, It's very, very important for you to look at your schedule and say, okay, these are critical games. People are going to focus on those. But that will potentially lead you down the line to losing to a Mississippi State or an Ole Miss or an Arkansas or whoever. Kentucky. Or a Kentucky, hell, a Tennessee, insert any of them. They can all do it. So you just have to be on top of what Bandy's you're doing. about the only one that can. Yeah. And, yeah, we – whatever with Vanderbilt, unfortunately. Bandy just sits around and waits for baseball season, and I don't blame him. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, what a program, though, right? Uh, oh, very good. What a dichotomy of programs <laughs> with their football and their baseball. But, hey, you, um, you might as well be good at something. That's true. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I think, I think, you know, obviously the new coach and all the excitement is there. Um, and I think if, if, even if you just say Elko and Stoops are the same person, um, Elko has been here. Yeah. And again, and it's not, and I don't want this to sound like the, so he gets a and like, I, I don't care. Yeah. Um, I really don't care about that. Um, I need somebody that understands that specific program. Mm -hmm. and and because it's been so recent since he's been here yeah i I think he if one he understands some of the players because he knows and probably helped recruit them yeah and and second of all i think he and he understands the importance of recruiting here and obviously every coach knows the importance of recruiting Mm -hmm. but in a situation like this where you're in the state of texas you have ou you have lsu well really you have everybody in the country trying to come to texas to take people yeah. You have the you know the advantage of being the closest program to Houston, <clears throat> which is one of the biggest cities in the nation. Yep. Texas high school football is consistently one of the top two or three states in the nation for football athletes and for football. Mm-hmm. And so you know you're right in the middle of a hotbed. You're literally in the triangle of Texas between the three metroplex kind of areas. Mm-hmm. So I think he gets all that because he's already been here. Um, you know, I don't I don't care if 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 he can recite a bunch of campos to me. I, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, if he knows how to saw it off and, and he knows how to gig them, uh, the rest of it is football for me. That's, that's what you got. You got hired to change the culture to fix things. Yep. Yeah. At the end of the day, your one job is to make Texas A&M a good football program and a great program for people to want to come here. And at the end of the day, that's what matters to me. Get them in here, get them going, and let's go out there and be competitive. I mean, that that's you, you frankly where be, I'm at. You need to be at nine plus wins a year. Yep. And you need to be putting kids in the NFL. And if you do those two things, then you'll have those 10, 11, and 12 win seasons, you know, regular seasons. Yep. If you start doing that, you get the better recruits. When you get the better recruits that you're also developing. So, you know, if you're developing kids and you're starting at with four and five stars, by the time they're getting ready to leave and go to the NFL, obviously the quality of roster is going to be better than developing a two or three star, mm-hmm. you know, in the same amount of time. In theory, they're just not quite going to develop to the same potential that that four or five star is. Now that's yeah. not the law of the land by any means, but no. it tends to be right more often than it's wrong. Yeah. So, and so like he gets this program because he knows some of these kids and he's mm-hmm. been in this program. No. So I think that's where the excitement is. I think there's a ton of excitement because I think we all agree he's going to keep E-Rob in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And if it's not DC, it's not DC, so be it. But E-Rob will continue to develop as a, a likely defensive coordinator in his career. And it'll be under the tutelage of one of the better ones to do it in, in recent history. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. We're definitely looking forward to it. I hope all of you guys are very excited too, as far as and, getting in on if, here. If you're in a wait and see mode, like I get it. Mm-hmm. Like if you're kind of wait and see, cause you're like, man, I wanted one of those other big names or I don't understand why we took him over soups. Wait and see. I totally get it too. You know, and that's, and that's fine. But I think, I think the first points of emphasis that you need to focus on, if you're kind of in wait and see mode, your first points will be, where does he go with his coordinators? Mm-hmm. Right. He just brought an incredible strength and conditioning guy in, knowing with the situation that we've seen over the last year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not all injuries were due to that, but um, you know, some really weird reports that came out about the you know, nutrition and all this other stuff on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, some, maybe some of that is complete BS and just grumblings of a program not doing well. Mm-hmm. But even if even if a tiny bit of it was true, I had a buddy of mine that played in the NFL briefly. He saw that article. He sent it to me. He was like. There's no way that this is happening because if it is, that mm-hmm. person should have been fired yesterday. Because <laughs> he's also like still a complete nutrition freak, so like he understands yeah. both playing at a college and professional level, and also yeah. understanding the nutrition that goes into that. On top of how nutrition has changed over the years, because I mean yeah. he and I are the same age, but uh, but you know he he still stays in shape. I'm just mm. a shape. Mm. Hey, Brown's a shape. That's, that's correct. Brown is still a shape. Never um, let anybody tell you otherwise. But yeah, so I. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how quickly he moves on offensive coordinator because obviously that's going to have impact on transfers. Yeah, this is, the, this is the big thing that everybody wants to talk about. And I think, first of all, the positive reactions that you've seen, you know, from the defensive side of the ball, I haven't really seen anything on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball, seems very positive. Yeah. And because you've got guys in the defensive locker, you know, in the defensive side of the locker room that know him and, and mm-hmm. have worked with him, they're able to tell the young guys, like, bro we got a good one and a a lot of the alumni too like bobby taylor and crew are also very very happy with the move so that's helpful because they're you know you know they stay in touch yeah um 
that's important. So, I mean, when you have alumni and as well as current players that are all very happy with the move and parents too. I mean, there was, <laughs> there was a, a report yesterday, just somebody, I guess he just fired it out there. Nothing real, but he said, you know, some four star decommitted some defensive back and mom came out mom went on twitter and tweeted at that guy that says don't tell any lies he hasn't said anything shut up you're like it's like that's straight from mama's mouth and when mama's telling you you're full of shit Man, twitter, tw- twitter football moms are a hoot um, i love them i love them tell them tell them what's true well, and so, you know, once it gets in the OC, I think we'll see an effect. Like, you're going to lose people every year. So, first of all, there's no, there's no such thing as 100% roster retention. I mean, we already lost Max. I don't yeah. think that had anything to do necessarily with Jimbo Fisher leaving. That might have been more of a writings on the wall. Like, well, right, writings on the wall. And, frankly, I mean, poor dude got beat the living hell yeah, out of him. Yeah. But yeah. you know Connor's coming back. Yeah. You just saw Jalen Henderson – Play pretty well. Well, and I think if he can just find a way to not let little mistakes really creep into the back of his mind, I think he's going to be very good at that position and a solid, solid backup to Connor. But that comes with experience, man. He just got to get out there and get snaps. And so these last three games have been completely, just totally invaluable for his development as a quarterback. Oh, yeah. Um, So it was fun to kind of watch him play. Uh, Yeah. But but I think just the writing was on the wall for Max. I, you know, we wouldn't be anywhere if Jimbo probably already would have been gone without what Max was able to do for us, you know, in, yeah. in a lot of games. So, you know, you just got to be, yeah, tip your cap to Max and, and wish him luck wherever he ends up. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think, you know, when you have Connor and you have uh, Henderson and, you know, you got Marcel Reed on the roster and you've got more quarterbacks coming in, I, you know, the, right, the writing's going to be on the wall when you're a, a grad, grad backup quarterback. And I'm sure he wants yeah. to go somewhere and start. And, you know, this also hasn't ruled out the possibility that Duke's quarterback may end up coming with Elko. Yeah, could be a lot wildly, of things. Wildly talented kid. Yeah, could um, be a lot of things. And, and that's another thing you have to remember. Like, we might lose some kids, but it's very possible that we'll gain some kids directly from Duke. And and don't and if you didn't watch Duke football, then try not to comment as much about it. <laughs> because if you just look at the record, you'd be like, well, why do we want kids from teams like this? Well. That, first of all, that's a terrible way to look at the transfer portal. It does, yeah. I don't, sometimes I don't care where they're coming from. Yeah. But there, there are some opportunities um, on that Duke roster even to bring some people in. So it's it's obviously going to be fluid. You have signing day coming up, uh, you know, what, a, a week, week or yeah. so. Yeah. Um, so a lot happening, which is why it was important to get him in. Yeah. And important to give him time to hopefully get, you know, um, get an offensive hire made in a week. Yeah. If you feel like a week should be enough time. Hopefully we've given him – a pretty big checkbook to work with on coordinators. I think he fully understands that. Yep. And so if he can seal this up before signing day, he can concrete this class. I mean, you might lose one or two, but you might pull somebody back into the fold. Well, and the beauty of the transfer portal is at the end of the day, uh, whether you do lose people or not, as far as recruits, you still have the opportunity to fill that role, at least for the short term, until you get the right guy recruited in the pre- in next couple seasons. So, well, And if you look at Duke, that turnaround was partially due to utilization of the transfer portal. So yep. he clearly knows how to work the portal to fill, fill the needs that he has on his roster. Yep. So I think that's another kind of one more little notch, uh, you know, just you know, on the walking stick to talk about, you know, positivities of an Elko hire. So again, man, I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I don't think there's any such thing as a slam dunk hire anymore um, because that's what Jimbo was. That's what Sumlin was, you know, they just didn't work out. And so I think, I think this is great for Aaron M, man. I, I think this is exactly what we need on the field and in the locker room. Yeah, I think it's a good move. Um, like I said, was it the most ideal hire that I wanted? Maybe not, but even so, it's a good hire. And I would say one that I'm very excited for, uh, for the upcoming. So, Worst hiring process ever. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was <laughs> not ideal. And the not a great situation uh, revolving around what happened uh, with Stoops, we, but we just unnecessarily got egg on our face. Yeah. Just you know, and, silly. and I said it when the Stoops thing got announced, uh, one of the first things I told my dad and I were talking about it. And I was like, Stoops doesn't work out. Bjork's going to be packing his bags the same exact time. And it doesn't matter what other hires he made. Right. And I think that would be, I'm not sure if that will be the case for Elko, but that for sure would have been the case with Stoops. I think amongst the fan base. 
he would not have been like he would have been one of the first coaches at AM in a long time not to get way too long of a leash. Yeah. Exactly. That's our favorite thing to do here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, we we love to like, no, no, get, give him a year. Give him another year. year. Maybe two more years. Yeah, they'll be okay. Like, <laughs> so, so, and that's, you know, on the flip side, that's why I was happy with it. You know, and yeah. a lot of people were like, I, don't, I still don't understand the time, timing of the firing. Be the first in line to be interviewing coaches, rip the band aid off. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've shown time and time and again that we extend coaches well past their lifeline here. And it's not just in football. It's just, and it's not just one AD. It's just like the fight in Texas Aggie way is to extend coaches that have shown time and time and again who they are. Yep. You're and absolutely so right. I, to me, to an extent, that was a bit of a statement. Yeah. Like, you know what? Screw this. We're not doing this anymore. And we're not going to wait. We're not going to be the last ones to the dance. Like, we're doing this now. We're putting our foot in the stand, sand and saying, this is no longer good enough at Texas A&M. It's time for you to go. Yep. And it's been a long time since we did something in the bowl as brash as we just did. Well, did it. And you went ahead and just paid the guy. You didn't try to find any kind of workaround to try to get out of the contract. You just straight up said, you're not doing it. Here's your money. Go home. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. You just sat, you walked into the meeting, you sat down, you said, hey, not good enough. Give us a forwarding address for the checks. Yeah. That was yeah. it. That's it. That's I mean, all. Need. Maybe a little bit more in depth and professional than that, but that's pretty much what you said. You're not cutting it. Two more games isn't going to make a hill bit hill beans difference. No, nope. in fact, so. I, I think you lose that LSU game a lot worse because we didn't let it rip. Yeah, it, and, and, I, and I, I thought it was a rare bold statement from us mm-hmm. on the firing side. Now, you know, bold statements on the hiring side, obviously, Buzz hiring Jimbo was a bold statement. It was. Mm. You know, hiring Buzz, I thought was a great hire. I thought it was a splash hire. Schloss Nagel, too. Getting yeah. Schloss is an absolute, like, I hate to literally use this saying, but it was a home run. Home runs, literally, slam dunk, yeah. home run. It's, I mean, he's a great hire. And what he's about to do with Aggie baseball this next year, if things pan out, could be really, really cool. But we'll definitely get into all that. <laughs> well, yeah, again, yeah, I know. We always end up dipping into. <laughs> I know we always end up dipping into baseball and softball every time. We'll get but, there. Uh, but but even on the smaller ones, like I think we've made big hires. Hiring away yeah. Georgia's basketball coach, Joni Taylor, I thought that was a big hire. It is a big hire. Yeah, she uh, uh, Trisha Ford pulled her from Arizona State. Arizona State's a perennial. First of all, it's a Pac-12 softball team, which means they're good. Like, you know? Yeah. So I, I think the hires have been in line with that. So this is the one where maybe the hire wasn't this massive splash hire, but maybe it was exactly what we needed. Yeah, and I I like to think that's the case, and you know, it was a splash fire, splash fire, and a splash. It was. Fire. <laughs> Dude, so. We we kind of shocked everybody when we canned him. Yeah, there's no way. There's not any chance they're going to do it. There's no Dumb way. Don't think they're going to give. And I, I just, but I also love the fact that it always comes down to well, A and M deserves more, and then we get to the point, and it's like, well. Who do you who do you think you are? We didn't really mean that. Yeah, you know, it's like stay like, in your hole. Yeah, yeah. Um, pick a side. Yeah. So again, uh, I like the hire. I do. I'm really looking forward to seeing the coordinators. I'm thrilled that he's got a strength and conditioning guy coming or sports yeah. performance director, whatever they call him. Yeah. Uh, I need I need a new offensive line coach. I need a I, whatever OC he wants. I don't care. Yeah. But if he keeps Petrino, like there has to be a stipulation. You can stay, but Adazio's got to go. For the love of God, get a special teams guy too. Special teams guy, and I need a recruiting coordinator. Yeah, I think you have all that. And for the love of God, um, was it Tim? Yeah, Tim Brewster. He just left Colorado. We need some energy back here in this building. Damn it, go get him. Maybe he'll be a recruiting coordinator. Yeah, go get him for some uh, all that fun crap. (laughs) So those are the big things. You know, first of all, you have to have every single one of those positions. Um, and then again, like an O-line coach, um, a special teams coach, coordinator, um, you know, recruiting coordinator. I don't know enough deep into that world to know. There are probably a handful of names in those positions that I know are, are good. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, whoever he hires, I'm just going to trust he's hiring the right guy. That's why we gave him the keys to the Corvette. Yep. But um, OC obviously will be a little bit different because I think most fans, even casual fans, know a lot more OC names. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be interested to see who he goes after. Um, and when he does, I'm sure we'll have something to say about it on here. I'm sure we will. And I'm looking forward to getting into that, but 
Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at, um, obviously, championship weekend. It's going to be pretty exciting. Um, we'll definitely highlight those matchups next week. Uh, and looking uh, – No, this coming weekend, championship weekend. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we're not going to highlight anything. They'll be done. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, like oh, talk, just review. Talk okay. about them after that. Yeah, that's what yeah, I was going to say. Next week is getting fired up for Army Navy. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll definitely get into all that. But uh, what's your week looking like? What do you got going on? Um, so basically taking time off is completely detrimental to my sanity. So I'm just pretty much slammed all week. Uh, that's Monday. I got my Monday market update coming out. Um, you know, Friday, obviously release another video. Um, and then just work, just work, work, work. It's, it's kind of hair on fire week for me. Um, kind of bridging the gap on, uh, some stuff for a whole bunch of different clients. So I'm kind of going in about four different directions, which is Mm-hmm. a little bit new for me um but i'm excited for it and then mm-hmm. you know i've you know at some point i probably need to sit down and make sure i get my re- license renewed <laughs> now yeah the fun stuff always the fun crap but yep jump but yeah, on the just work just working my butt off man finishing up the outside lights i got everything on the roof this weekend so i've just got to do the yard probably do that tonight or tomorrow and and then keep keep one eye on work and the other eye on tech sags yeah. <laughs> waiting for coordinator hires Yep, keep an eye out for that coordinator hire. Uh, we are going to be in uh, last two shows for Texas uh, for the year are going to be this weekend. We're going to be over at Huntsville playing at Shenanigans. So if you're in the Huntsville area, catch us on Friday. And then we will be at uh, Cheatham Street in San Marcos to close out our Texas run on right. Saturday. So those are going to be two fun shows. Uh, we've never played Huntsville. So very excited right. to be out in Huntsville. Uh, and- you want to play the state pin? right let's let's get that uh get that prison rodeo going you know we'll bring the dummy excited for that (laughs) but uh yeah we've never so one prospect i'm excited about we've we have a song called pot in huntsville which is a great jam of a song we've never played it in huntsville so i'm excited about that (laughs) we'll see how the crowd got a reaction to that one uh new music uh once again is all kind of set up for after the start of the year but uh got my brand new base it just wrapped up they fin- put the finishing touches on it i should have it this weekend hopefully so it's the little things it is the little things uh so yeah be sure to catch us on all of the socials uh we are over there on instagram we are on twitter be sure to catch us uh it is roy may 15 on twitter rob the slapper on there and uh, of course, be sure to follow uh, the red ass podcast on instagram would love you to do so we will post updates on there as well so all the good and stuff ribs real estate ramblings on twitter yes be sure to follow at triple r yep go at triple r go check them out please uh good episodes good times so tell i got my biggest thing is just i gotta exercise this week i put on so much weight there's, there's no way <laughs> no i only had one plate I was proud of myself i didn't oh. i didn't go back for seconds i had one plate i had a dessert and i called it good I had a million plates over two Thanksgivings, leftovers, way too many beers. Well, the right amount of beers, it's just a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm a big guy. Yeah, I feel that. Well, once again, guys, this is the Red Ass Podcast. Thanks. Gigum beat the hell out of the offseason, beat the hell out of our bowl game. And Virginia. And beat, beat the hell out of Virginia. Thanks, Gigum. Thanks.